I got an email from one student. She's doing Teach America, I think, or Teach USA. She was really excited because she had a bunch of students uh, turn up at her school. They were Hispanic and they couldn't speak English very well and she had to explain some of the scientific components of, of what she was doing in the hmm. class. And she said it was wonderful and if it weren't for the course in general, not just the linguistic component, but also the, the scientific component, she was able to express herself to these students. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. I'm Dan Gable, Technology Manager for the LRC. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. Jeremy Thompson, Research Associate and Lecturer in Plant Pathology and Plant Microbiology, shares his experience with Jumpstart and foreign languages across the curriculum courses. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. It is my pleasure to welcome my colleague Jeremy Thompson today. Jeremy is research associate and lecturer in plant pathology and plant microbiology, and he teaches a course on molecular diagnostic techniques with an associated language component. Welcome to Speaking of Language, Jeremy. Thank you for having me. Molecular diagnostic techniques. I have no idea what that means. Can you please enlighten uh, me? Yeah, in, in in very simple terms. Anything, um, if, for example, you need to find out, you go and you give a blood test, for example, and you uh -huh. want to know different, um, potentially, uh, if you have an infection or if you're basically worried about a particular issue, uh, you're not feeling well, uh, your blood will go to uh, a lab and they mm -hmm. will use techniques there to analyze uh, and detect if you've got an infection, find if there's an infection there, or if you've got an imbalance in your proteins or okay. whatever, they will find that as well. So the overall idea is um, using high-level uh, uh, state-of-the-art techniques to analyze uh, what we call biomarkers. So that's okay. basically any molecule that would indicate an imbalance in any organism. I see. Uh, and usually we're interested in infections, mm -hmm. uh, particularly viral infections. And so what we do is we use this class and we use, in this case, grapevine as a model organism mm -hmm. to uh, teach the students about these techniques. And they can then go and apply them to humans or okay. animals or whatever they want. That's Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So can you share a little bit more information with our listeners about your background? What do you do as a research associate and lecturer? apart from obviously teaching? Um, so my research has mainly been involved in uh, molecular biology, so not just diagnostics, but molecular biology. Um, what I'm really interested in uh, are the molecules of life. So hmm. that sounds very profound, but basically <laughs> we're talking DNA, we're talking uh, RNA, and we're talking proteins. Yeah. And so whether it's in plants or whether it's in humans or animals, it's really not that important. Mm -hmm. I I consider it fortuitous. I ended up in plants. I think they're wonderful things and I love mm -hmm. working with them. Yeah. Uh, but I could be equally working on animals or, or humans. And what we do is we, we look at, it, mainly we look at uh, viruses and we look at how uh, they operate and how they infect uh, different organisms mm -hmm. at a very sort of fundamental level. Now, I've been doing this for now, research for over about 25 years, almost 25 years. Mm. And I've really just traveled the world 
I, I love doing research and I had no particular um, desire to sort of settle down in one place. Yeah. Maybe I do now as I'm a little bit older, but back then I just wanted to use my skills and uh -huh. travel the world. So that's what I've done. And I've worked in, um, you know, six, seven places around the world, lived and worked there. Uh, and I've just learned as, as I've gone and I've always worked in plants mm -hmm. um, and mainly in molecular biology. So then I come here uh, to Cornell. This was about eight years ago um, and continue to work uh, in this field and then figured, you know, I'd like to get into some sort of teaching. Yeah. But not just your sort of formal teaching where you sort of up at a blackboard at the mm -hmm. front pointing, but something that I enjoy. Yeah. So having traveled, um, I thought it'd be a wonderful opportunity. And also the fact that I feel that uh, teaching, particularly research, is much better done in the lab than um, through books mm -hmm. or, or mm -hmm. um, through formal teaching. Um, I'm a big proponent of, of um, hands-on. Yeah. Um, uh, learn by doing sort of approach. So having this opportunity to incorporate this class uh, and get this class up and running and then include a travel component as well. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, of course, the language component yeah. was just phenomenal. Yeah. So Cornell giving me that chance has been has been a great opportunity. Yeah. So how did this come about that you integrated Spanish language components into this? So this is part of a winter break field trip to the vineyards of Chile, right? Correct. Yeah. So... Um, it's, I suppose, looking back on it, and I've had other people ask, you know, hey, it seems very complicated to do. Um, I've always found Cornell, compared to other places that I've worked at, uh, a great place um, to work because, really, if you want to get something done, you just identify whoever's mm -hmm. doing it, mm -hmm. phone them up, send them an email, and everyone is so responsive and so willing to collaborate. Yeah. It just makes things relatively easy. So, um, back, this was probably about, Two and a half years ago, I just contacted Dick Feldman, mm -hmm. your, your predecessor, yep. and I said, Dick, you know, is there any chance, you know, how, how could we do this? And he just came over and he said, oh, we can do it this way, that way. Okay. Um, and it was set up in a very sort of simple way. And so, uh, thankfully, due to the support of the Language Resource Center and Romance Studies, this has basically been, the language component has been a relatively straightforward thing to incorporate. Mm -hmm. um, the thing that I thought would be cause more of a problem is students uh, who are more scientifically inclined mm -hmm. complaining or saying, you know, uh, why do we have to do the language sure. component? Or even those students who are almost native speakers turning around and saying, why do I have to learn more Spanish when hmm. I speak it perfectly? Yeah. Uh, so far, that has not been a problem in, in okay. either instance. So it's been pretty straightforward to set up. I mean, it's complicated in a way, I guess, compared to normal courses. Yeah. But um, Cornell has been very good at sort of assisting me in that in that process. So how does the language training help the students prepare for this um, trip abroad? Um, so to give you an idea of what we do when we're down in Chile, mm -hmm. uh, we go down there, we're there for just two weeks, um, and we immediately go down to a town um, just south, it's about three hours south of uh, Santiago, um, called Talca, uh, which is quite a provincial town. It's got a good university down there. Uh, we meet with uh, professors and students down there, and then we go out to um, a vineyard or, well, basically a, a wine producer called uh, Conchitoro, which is one of the biggest ones in the world. Uh, and we do a tour down there, and um, we 
wander around the city, we get to know the city well. Mm -hmm. And um, there's all these interactions, even at the beginning, where a language component, at least from my perspective, is is handy. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, having traveled, I always think it's the first thing you do wherever you go to a new country, always make a point of at least being able to speak the basics. Yeah. And so getting these students into that, even though their objective is scientific, get them so they can interact with um, not only academics, but also local people is, is sure. of importance. After that, we go to Santiago and we're there for 10 days and they have a reasonable amount of free time. They have mm -hmm. one weekend that's free and evenings mm -hmm. where they're encouraged to go out, explore museums, um, enjoy the city. And, yeah. and obviously that will too also involve um, speaking to, to locals. Mm -hmm. And then also we interact with the, with the students at the, uh, the Catholic University there. And some of the presentations are given in Spanish because oh, okay. some of the students there are not so comfortable speaking Spanish. Sure. Um, so this is very, I wouldn't say it's a need, but it's uh, it definitely uh, helps the students mm -hmm. if they can understand a bit of Spanish. Mm -hmm. Have you heard anything from the participating students in terms of, you know, benefits or how has how has this actually helped them, the fact that they had a, a flack or a jumpstart course? Yeah, so I got an email probably about a month ago from one student uh, who is, um, she's doing, uh, I'm trying to remember what it is, it's Teach America, I think, or Teach USA, mm -hmm. um, which is a, uh, a one or two year um, break where you go to an underprivileged area, and I think she's in Chicago or south of Chicago. Hmm. Um, she is pre-med, um, so her, her desire is to become a doctor at the end of this. And she sent me this email just completely out of the blue saying that um, she was really excited because she had a bunch of students uh, turn up at her school and uh, they were Hispanic and they couldn't speak English very well and she had to explain some of the scientific components of, of what she was doing in the hmm. class. And she said it was wonderful and if it weren't for the course in general, not just the linguistic component but also the, the scientific component, she was able to express herself um, to these students. There was one student when we were down there as well, another student who uh, on her last day, uh, she said it was a highlight of her whole experience was the fact she sat down with my friend and colleague, uh, Patricio, who's uh, our main contact down yeah. there, and uh, a graduate student and um, basically had a conversation about science and research in Spanish. Mm. And she said it blew her mind, the fact yeah. that she could do that. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yep. That's great. What do the TAs who um, teach these courses, what do you hear from them? What are some of the benefits that they see in being able to teach this? I mean, obviously there's an enjoyment in seeing students, you know, learn and benefit. And I think the excitement that they see in the students because the language component comes before the trip. Um, and basically this is kind of build up. We also build up the cultural component of, mm -hmm. of, of, the, of the trip as well. Yeah. Um, so I'm, um, from what I understand it, and I hope this works, is we kind of, you know, gradually build them up so they get more and more excited about the whole trip. Sure. Um, and there's an enthusiasm uh, about actually just learning Spanish and, and being prepared for that trip. So both teachers of the FLAC and the Jumpstart course saw this en enthusiasm. And then it was kind of fun, particularly for both, because last year we had Alice in, uh, in Jumpstart and then we had Danilo, who was teaching the FLAC mm -hmm. course. Uh, Danilo's Colombian and Alyssa's Spanish, and okay. and they had to teach Chilean Spanish. <laughs> so for them as well, it yeah. was it was it was very much a, a, um, 
a process of learning as well. Sure. Because yeah. Chilean Spanish is one of the most difficult ones out there. So, hmm. uh, so it was good fun. I think everybody enjoyed it. Yeah. Do the TAs get the opportunity to come along with you, or does that not quite fit the schedule? <laughs> it does. It does potentially. So, unfortunately, in the, for the jumpstart course, the teachers are usually um, language teachers, mm -hmm. and so ideally, what we're looking for is someone with more of a biological background who can sure. help me in the lab. Sure. So Danilo has been invited both times to come mm. here, um, but he's he's a graduate student and his time is limited. Uh, so he has been unable in both yeah, times. That's yep. a bummer. That is, I know, but you know, hopefully next time. Yeah. Yep. Do you happen to know the students um, in your class? Um, do they continue with Spanish afterwards? For sure. Yep. Um, uh, there's an, a student who is now she is going to be a junior. Mm -hmm. Um, and she has continued in Spanish. She's at one of these, and I don't know the correct term for it, she's gone to one of these houses where they practice, um, it's like a communal house where they basically practice a language mm -hmm. each week. Yeah. And she's in the Spanish house. Okay. Um, and she's going to Colombia, um, when is it, in the winter session to go and teach science to um, to um, elementary school uh, kids down there oh, in wow. Spanish. Yeah. So there's definitely a continuation. Yeah. So that's I, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That is fantastic. Do you have any plans to possibly expand what you what you do? Um, other courses or like poke some of your colleagues to also integrate a, a flack or a jumpstart in their teaching? Answering the, the last question first, I think there's a there's a certain hesitancy and mm. nervousness from uh, some of the colleagues or some of my colleagues in maybe my department and school uh, because of um, maybe their background and, and, and their, you know, the whole idea of incorporating a language component can seem complicated, sure. particularly if you're not a speaker yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, that is something we're trying to encourage. So I know that in, in our school, there's a group that also goes down to Nicaragua. Okay. Um, and um, they are going to try and uh, develop a, a language course there. So ideally in our department, or at least within plant sciences, the objective is to have a plant science-based um, Spanish course mm -hmm. so that students can sort of plug into that whenever they yeah. like. And I think in the long run, what would be really great is if we could have, if we kind of develop a network of, of links with different uh, universities um, in Latin America and even in Spain, for example, uh, we can, you know, just have kind of uh, mini seminars where we just link up through Skype or yeah. Zoom um, and students just give presentations mm -hmm. um, about what they're doing in the sure. respective languages. So sure. that would be a nice way of developing it. Yeah. In terms of my time, I'm principally a researcher. Okay. So, you know, <laughs> my, my time is somewhat tight with regards sure. to teaching, but... I'm all for developing and trying to encourage yeah. students to just go out and, and um, you know, not limit themselves by the U.S., but go out to different countries mm -hmm. and experience uh, what there is to see in the world. So. That's great. To me, you know, there's an issue now of the, the whole, they're talking all about, you know, cross-curricular activities and trying to get students interested in things outside of their field. Uh, and I think it's critical. And I think you get you get into a situation where, if you've got a math teacher that's combining music and architecture, mm -hmm. geez, it's, right? uh, that's pretty yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. 
Um, and that's kind of, in a way, sort of lacking yeah. uh, here sometimes. Yeah. I feel so. Well, this is why what you do is right. And so I, to exciting. me, it's so sort of. It, to me, it's something that I've done as a career, and so mm-hmm, it seems so mm-hmm, natural to me. Mm-hmm. But it's seen as very weird here. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. So hopefully things will change. I know that you know there are. There's definitely a, a desire here at Cornell, and there's also like a. I mean, there's other universities in the U.S. that are really pushing for this. Mm-hmm. After my trip to to Europe, it. The mm-hmm. Euro- Europeans are oh, like yeah. doing exactly so the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 One so. course at a time, right? Yep, exactly. Making progress. Yeah. And you're picking a good time, of course, in the winter to go to Chile. I right? know, oh, it's it's terrible walking down <laughs> vineyards at 32 degrees, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, are the students old enough to also sample the beauty of. Of course. Okay. Well, they don't need it's It's an 18 year old. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. So and as far as Cornell is concerned, that is whatever mm-hmm. whatever goes in mm-hmm. the country mm-hmm. is is fine. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's so good. we we go there. We're able to taste some of the the excellent produce, mm-hmm. um, and it's just extremely pleasant. You're just walking through vineyards. You're taking yeah. samples. Yeah. Um, it's hot. Yeah. Um, it doesn't get in the evenings. It cools down quite a bit because okay. we're relatively high altitudes, mm-hmm. so um, it's not unpleasant to sleep. So yeah. it's it's phenomenal. That's exciting. It's a good experience. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, if you ever need somebody to carry your suitcase, let yeah. me know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're more than welcome to come over and see, you know, yeah, ha- it, how it operates. Right, and, exactly. Yeah. I can probably make a case for that, right? So I assume you are proficient in Spanish yourself? I am, yes. What was your journey with Spanish? My journey with Spanish was um, I uh, finished my PhD in the UK. Uh, I had a strong desire to leave the UK. Uh, principally because of the weather. That's why I've ended up here in Cornell. <laughs> But the weather is much better here than it is in, in Britain, trust okay. me. Um, and I applied for a variety of jobs uh, in hot regions in Europe. Um, Portugal, Spain, uh, Italy and Greece. Okay. And um, really it was kind of just a potluck and I wanted to learn a language anyway. I could speak okay French at the time and it's kind of got rusty now. Um, and I was given this opportunity. I was offered a job, and I went out there for for a year and a half. Uh-huh. Um, and then after that, my idea was um, at least to save up some money uh, from that job and then go traveling. I wanted a backpack mm-hmm. um, somewhere, and my yeah. idea originally was to do the Silk Road. Okay. Um, huh. But at that time, uh, that would have been sort of in the mid-90s. There were a lot of countries that were... Um, mm. Yep. problematic to visit and after a year and a half of being in Spain I kind of figured well I can kind of travel the same distance and, and just speak Spanish <laughs> so I flew to Mexico City and okay. I just spent uh, what six seven months backpacking all the way down to Tierra del Fuego uh, and then ended back up in Chile and I spent a year living and doing research in Chile wonderful that's great yep Well, thank you so much for the exciting work that you do and for integrating and supporting languages is very much appreciated. Thank you. And thank you also for joining me today on the podcast and, and talking about this exciting course that you teach. Next week, I will speak with Patsy Lightbound about form-focused instruction. Dr. Lightbound is Professor Emeritus at Concordia University. She will be on campus as part of our monthly LRC speaker series. All our speaker series events are live streamed, so please check out our website at lrc.cornell.edu for upcoming events. 
You can join us for Patsy's talk titled Putting Form-Focused Instruction in Its Place on Thursday, October 25th at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time, either in person here in Simpson Hall or online via Zoom. And of course, you can listen to next week's episode online. Until then, auf Wiederhören! The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or look for Cornell LRC on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of Language is produced by Sam Lupwitz and Dan Gable. Recorded by Sam Lupwitz. Original music by Sam Lupwitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners and do stay tuned for our next episode.